Welcome to another episode of Sanctuary Radio. This is a podcast brought to you by Sanctuary Recovery Centers. Our mission is to break the stigma surrounding addiction, to empower others to live addiction-free lives, providing hope to those who suffer from addiction and offer continued care and true healing. All right, here we are, another episode of Sanctuary Radio. It's, I mean, two of the finest, what does it say in the big book? The finest specimen of manhood as one could ever wish to meet. And I'm sitting here in the presence of two of the finest specimen. And first, I want to introduce my co-host. We got Justin here, New Method Healing Center, longtime personal friend, community liaison. He's out there, business development, man. Thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I got to give a shout out to my to my normal co-host Haley out there in Oklahoma pounding the pavement out there door knocking getting getting with the hospitals and the institutions man just spreading the sanctuary recovery center's message and working on that intake out there in Oklahoma so big shout out to Haley shout out Haley oh you gonna give her one too yeah we're gonna give her one holding it down out there in Oklahoma give her a shout out but our guest today, uh, again, man, uh, this is just a proud moment for me just to share this opportunity. But we have on the show today, we got Ron on the show, a.k.a. Ronnie No Matter What, a.k.a. the newest member of the Sanctuary team. Ron's in the building. Welcome, hey, Ron. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for be- for letting me be here. This is kind of a special moment. You know, uh, we'll get into it, but 14 years ago, did you ever think we'd be sitting here together? I mean, it's like I said, it's a surreal moment. You know, it's the same thing, man, you know, with Justin and sitting here with him today and you and, you know, a lot of the people we have on the show, you know, personal friends, sanctuary recovery team, you know, our journey starts just so, so far beyond where we're at today. And it's just awesome to experience these types of moments. But we got Ron on the show today. And so, Ron, like you said, you know, this is 14 years in the making right here. And, you know, it is a proud moment to share with you. But why don't you just give everyone, anytime anyone ever comes onto the show and they're a personal friend or we have history, I think it's always important for all of our listeners all across the nation to really just hear, you know, the experience and and the strength and the hope that comes from your message, but also how we all know each other. So why don't you just take a little bit, just an opportunity first, just to kind of share, you know, how we met and, you know, why this moment is so special. So why don't you take that, that opportunity? Okay. So, so, uh, when we met, it was a, it was a point in my life when things were very chaotic. Um, I had just <clears throat> I had just recently uh, found methamphetamine. Oh, you uh, did just introduced, recently? Yeah, introduced that into my life after years of being a crack cocaine addict and a heroin addict, and then I found meth, and and uh, it changed a bunch of things for me because number one, what it did is it cured me of a twenty five year crack cocaine addiction. So my instantly, mind, instantly, you know, it, I, I did meth and I never smoked crack again. So what my mind told me was, well, wait a minute, we've been overreacting all these years. Maybe I'm not a drug addict. I was just doing the wrong drug. Mm. Um, and, you know, we know that to be false. Right. So uh, for me, I was able to be productive in a sense because I was a telemarketer. And oh, hold up, hold up, hold <laughs> oh, up. We yeah. know about the telemarketers. Shout out yeah. to all the telemarketers. Shout out telemarketers. I mean, Justin, you know a little something about telemarketing, <laughs> don't you? And we were just talking about this earlier. You know, me and Justin, if you listen to his episode, his episode on, you know, Sanctuary Radio was one of the most viewed episodes that we've had. If you haven't had a chance to hear his his message, uh, that episode, I encourage you to search it out and, and you know, have a good listen at that. But... What did you tell me when we were on the yard? We were in the prison yard together, and we were planning. We were doing a success plan, and your success plan was what, Justin? Oh, instantly. You know, I've been a salesman, telemarketing game the whole time, and I said, when I get out, I'm going back to the phone rooms. That's where I know how to make money. I make lots of money scamming people. I'm going to do it for the first year. Just the first year. Just the first year. Get on my feet. Get on my feet. Get a car. Get a car. And uh, you straight up told me you are not working in telemarketing. Yeah, we're not doing we're that. We're not bro. doing that. We're going to work in recovery. And I did not believe you at the time. I did not believe you. I never, 
imagine this is where we would all be at right sure. now. Yeah, and it's like I said, you know, the history and, you know, it's one thing to believe in higher power like we talk about. So it's such an essential piece of, you know, a full, uh, you know, program recovery. It's one thing to believe in. This is how we experience that power working in our lives. So back to you, Ron. So, you know, you're, you're in this point in your life where you found meth. And so now it made you even in your mind uh, even more amazing of a telemarketer, right? <laughs> yeah. And so why don't you pick back up there? So, so here I am working at a working at a large call center, and I had just become general manager. Um, I had taken over, <clears throat> taken over this uh, this business, and I uh, was making a lot of money. And before I had got the general manager job, I was a closing manager, and and I was pretty decent. You know, I I I closed a good amount of deals on the floor. So when I became general manager. There was a big hole, like 15 deals a week that weren't on that floor anymore. And I was trying to figure out how I was going to get those. And um, earlier on that day, a couple of guys had walked in and asked for jobs. One of them was you. Yeah, I need that job. Yeah. Uh, first off, I was at Crossroads, and they finally <laughs> let me get a job. You know, right. after uh, self-knowledge I, I gained for my recovery in 16 days in the Right Track program, they taught me everything I needed to know uh, to fight this addiction for the rest of my life. 16 days, they say, get a job. I said, where's the telemarketing spot at? <laughs> they said it's an hour away. And, and not to mention, I door knocked windshields sure. the whole way there i think i sold two and used your fax machine yeah. uh, to fax the jobs in <laughs> yeah. and so i came into your office and that's where we first met yeah and when you came in like uh <clears throat> i didn't even know your name right you came in i said get on the phone and yeah you, you and, pretty disrespectful yeah, I was pretty but, disrespectful, yeah. yeah um got on the phone you know because you know a lot of the times in that environment someone's there and then they're not there the next day right so Anyhow, I'm in the office and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do this, uh, how I'm going to produce the deals I need to, to maintain what we were doing. And all of a sudden, over the hum in the phone room, I hear it just cut through me. And, it's, and I heard this voice say, hey, did you get my email? Real loud. And I looked up, I looked out the window, and I seen you standing there. You had the headphones on and they were turned sideways and you're pacing back and forth and you didn't know what you were selling. You didn't even know how much it was. I don't think at the time you were just talking. No, you didn't tell phone. me anything, man. You <laughs> gave me a script and you said, this is what we're doing. I said, all right, I got it. And uh, from from that moment, you know, I knew that I knew that you had that swag to you, you know, and uh, you and I be instantly became friends. We we sat down together and uh, we were on a call together and you got to hear all me unload everything I had on a, on a particular uh, person on the phone. And uh, we didn't get the deal, but what happened from that is you heard every rebuttal and objection. And from that point on, um, you became one of the highest producers in the room within a week. We became friends. And uh, the journey began for us. You yeah, know? I mean, the journey really began. I remember, you know, Justin, he was... <laughs> He, had, he was closing this deal. He's sweating. You know what I mean? He found meth, so he was extra sweating. You know what I mean? He started unbuttoning the shirt. He thought the shirt off. He's in the wife beater, right? Pop locking with no shoes yeah, on. Pop yeah. locking, dude. He's fucking getting in the zone. You know yeah. what I mean? He's giving this dude everything he got, and then he hits him for the credit card number, and he goes, click. Yeah. And he hung up. It was great. <laughs> yeah. I got the first four digits. I'll yeah. never forget it was a discover. Yeah. It was a, yeah the Six, zero, one, one, one. click. Yeah, click, and you know and. And it's true, man. We became friends and we started this journey, you know, that leads to this surreal moment. And, you know, we had a business together, which we'll pick up, you know, more you know, into your journey later on. But every journey starts somewhere. And, you know, we were talking before we, you know, we started to air the podcast and just how all three of us have such a similar story. Right. Sure. You know, everybody's trauma looks different. You know, everybody's story's different, but ultimately it leads to the same, you know, three places jails institutions are death right and we all made it to the institutions we all fought death and here we are today living the promises and the blessings like recovery gives you and what sanctuary is trying to and so is new method you know new method man they're a sister company to us we work hand in hand with them you know at all times and we provide what what do you say what kind of recovery do we provide justin we, we provide real real recovery oh, not real. just relief yeah that real deal holy sure. field recovery mm -hmm. And so every journey starts somewhere, Ron. So why don't you just take a moment to share what it was like growing up in New York? Shout out, sure. shout out Yankees. Rochester. Rochester, New York, Fairport. My sister out there in Rochester. <laughs> Big shout out, Nicole. And so why don't you just share the family dynamic, what it was like growing up? Sure. So real briefly before I get into that, 
I think what's important is, as we were sitting here talking about briefly about our own individual stories and where we've been and how we got there, I'm, I'm a firm believer in this, right? Nothing happens in God's world by mistake. I don't care what your belief system is. Um, I, don't, I don't care how you were brought up. For me, now sitting back, um, I can see that everything was for a designed reason, right? Um, all the interactions, the people that I meet along the way, um, good and bad, uh, have all led to this moment. So, um, and that's true when we're young, when we're children, you know, we all, as men, three men sitting here, um, trauma is a big part of men's lives in recovery. Now, when you say trauma, a lot of the times people think of physical or sexual abuse, which is true in a lot of cases, but trauma comes in all different forms, right? Those false narratives that we pick up when we're a child, um, not even necessarily from somebody telling us, but what our little brains are telling us what's going on because we don't know how to communicate. And for me, there was a lot of different forms of trauma as, as a child. Um, I grew up around good people. My, my family, both sides of my family were, were good people and they tried their best to raise me the right way. You know, I knew the difference between right and wrong. I was, I, I, I was taught manners, um, and somewhere along the line, I made a series of decisions based off this false narrative I had in my head, and this false narrative was, I didn't matter. I felt like I didn't matter. Now, it's not because anybody told me I didn't matter, but that's what I believed, right? Because there was things that happened, like um, when my parents separated, and as a young child, you don't understand what's going on there, I mean, your right? dad was a rock and roll drummer. Yeah, yeah, my dad was a drummer, my mom was a nursing student, and... Uh, they got together. Shout out, Pops. Man, yeah, you know, Pops and, 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 and my mom, they have, like your parents, have rode this out with me and all the pain that I've caused them. And uh, it's, it's one of the honors I have in my life that I get to call my mom every morning and have a cup of coffee with her, you know, since I've been out of prison. So anyhow, growing up, you know, I, I, uh, my mom raised me. For a few years by herself, a single mom, because uh, she had she had pushed my dad away because uh, she didn't feel his his lifestyle was conducive to raising a young child. You know, um, growing up. I mean, Justin lived that rock and roll lifestyle. I mean, we almost I mean, we're sitting here with a I mean, Justin <laughs> hacked into his old I mean, sorry, this just popped into my head. <laughs> Justin hacked. I mean, if listen to Justin's episode, I think the, the tagline on that is like, you know, biker gang to yeah. you know recovery all-star right <laughs> he hacked into his old facebook this, this he's sending me pictures with him sitting with sonny barger and you know ak-40s i mean checks out brother not yeah. to say i didn't believe you but i got the proof now we might have to post one of those pictures but anyway sorry back to no, that that's okay yeah back to that so um you know growing up i always i always felt a little different Right. I always felt like I didn't fit. And the weird thing was I was one of those people that I could fit into any crowd. Right. I, I, I would change who I was to be able to fit into whatever group. Um, I got along with everybody. I really didn't have <clears throat> I really didn't have a lot of enemies growing up. And then, you know, when I was in high school, um, I loved wrestling. That was my thing. But just like I, hear, I heard you say many times before, there was something that you would always hear about me, especially in school, with my grades, with my athletics. They would say, you have so much potential, mm. but because I never applied myself. Mm. Because I was able to get by just on charisma and sure wit. And, uh, and then in high school, I find alcohol. Alcohol and weed. And from that moment, as soon as I ingested that first chemical into my body, I had an abnormal reaction. I didn't know that that's what it was, but it changed everything for me. You yeah. know, I, I, was able to, I was able to be the guy that I wanted to be because, as I said, I felt like I didn't matter. And right. I felt like I didn't fit. But when I drank and I got high, I fit. Right. And I can relate to that big time because... Uh I felt like I didn't matter, right? My life didn't matter. I, at one point in time, tried to commit suicide multiple times. I didn't want to live, right? And, um, 
you're talking about in school academically you're not making it because when we believe that we don't matter and we feel bad about ourselves we're not going to perform academically we're not going to do the right things we're not going to sure. be that standout person and when we drink and use the produces affected by alcohol and drugs we feel good like it takes that all away Sure. Yeah, we drink because we like it. <laughs> that's why I do. That's yeah. why I do drugs and alcohol because sure. I like it. I can that's why. live in my own skin now, right? right. I feel good, right? Yeah. So, so then you know, from there after after high school, you know, I I uh, I make a few kids. I have a couple kids um, that uh, I wasn't there to raise or to be there for, um, and uh, that's something that you know. As I sit back today, that's still a huge regret I have in my life, right? That I wasn't able to to pull it together enough for these children and for the women that their their only fault was they loved the guy who didn't love themselves, mm. you know? So moving forward from then, you know, uh, in the ni- early, early 90s, back in New York, I find crack cocaine. Oh, hold up. Mm-hmm. Game changer. You know, for me, crack cocaine, I was a binge user. I was the guy who would who would uh, get a job or start a business or, or, or start hoarding all this money and build this bright future like the big book talks about for everybody around me. My family would go, look, there he is. He's doing it. He's got this. Um, and then I would pull that structure down upon everybody's head. But I had the unique abilities. When I pulled that structure down on everybody's head, i get out of the way. Mm. Called the fear of success right Ooh, there, brother. There's that too. Yeah, there's yeah, that too. I, I mean, sure. that, I mean, that couples, I mean, you know, the, the, you know, it touch fear touches every aspect of our lives because when all three of us do what we want to do, our actions feed right into every single fear that we have. And that's why we're completely consumed by fear. And, you know, we say drugs and alcohol makes us fearless, but that's not the case um, because there's so many fears, you know, Especially when you start throwing any type of drug that you become physically dependent on, dude. Right. I have a fear of being dope sick every minute of the day, yeah, <laughs> even absolutely. when I'm high. <laughs> right, even when you have a pocket full. Yeah, I'm always in fear. And so, you know, you find, you know, crack cocaine and, you know, what comes with that? You know, crack cocaine and heroin and, and you know, I was, I, was, uh, I became, uh, again, referring to the book, right? You want to talk about pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. I mean, you got three big book thumpers sitting right here right now. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, you're going to hear <laughs> yeah. some big book stuff. Yeah, I you apologize know. in advance if you're a smart <laughs> recovery guy because you're not going to hear much of that today. Yeah, no. So, you know. <laughs> you <got> that right. <laughs> here I am doing crack, and, and I would go on binges. You know, I would go on these two, three-week crack cocaine binges where I would spend as much money as I could possibly get my hands on. Um, and then along the way, I had a friend, huh, I had a friend that was like, uh, I was a supervisor at a, at a roofing company. I made really oh, good Oh, shout money. out to all the roofers all out the there. Roofers, Mission, baby. I'll plug shout one, out. I'll plug one right now. Mission <laughs> Restoration, shout out to all the guys. Adam yeah. Tronier. Yeah, you know what it is, Tronier. Yeah. And uh, my friend, his name was Eric. He would see me, I would get a huge paycheck on Friday. And then on Monday when I came to work, I'd be bumming cigarettes from the crew. And and he knew what I was doing, and one day he have had, a big old blister on your lip. Justin, you ever had a blister on your lip from smoking crack all night? <laughs> no, hey, no comment. Hey, maybe the ten to two rolling the meth pipe, yeah. but uh, crack really wasn't my thing. Yeah. Only a couple uh, times. Okay, my bad. So he introduced me to heroin. He's like, "Here, man," and he gave me a bag of heroin, and uh, he said, "This will this will fix things. It will level you out so that you're you're not all amped up all the time." And, and won't spend all your money in 24 hours. Commonly referred to as the upper downer cycle. The upper downer. Mm. Write that down, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> so right away, I, now I'm addicted to heroin and crack. Mm. And again, it's it's it, it's the same thing, right? We don't have to get into all the all the stories about it, but it was just this vicious cycle of drugs and alcohol and me wanting to get sober and me telling everyone I'm going to do it this time and I mean it. And if you hooked me up to a lie detector... Um, I would have passed because I didn't want to use anymore and I didn't want to hurt people anymore. But I just continued to keep getting loaded, you know, because when I was, you know, when I'd be restless, irritable, and discontented, there was only one thing that would make that go away. I didn't know it then, but I, I know it to be now. I had a God-sized hole and I tried filling it with any kind of substance I could, females, uh, money, 
it, it didn't matter, but, but drugs just fit for me. And then I'd get this physical dependence to it. And it, it was a pretty vicious cycle to the point to where um, my aunt finally put me on a bus, right? She was like, you, when you're not doing this to the, to yeah, the family. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here can't anymore. Can't stay here. Shout out Aunt Lou. You yeah, know? Aunt Lou. You know, she put me on a bus and sent me out to Arizona and the rest is history. Yeah. The, rest, the rest is history, right? I mean, and we're talking about coming from New York, and yeah, they got he- this thing called humidity out there, and you know, the East Coast, and big ass mosquitoes the size of uh, pigeons. Yeah, and uh, you know, <laughs> you 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 come out here, and it's hot. You know, my my family from because I'm from you know, all my family's from New York as well, and they come out here and for Christmas, and they're going swimming. Right. right, like right. it's time to go. The pool is perfect, right? For and so, sure. You know, you come out here, and did you come out in the summertime? So let me show. I get here in August. Oh God. Oh yeah. So Wind here's my blows on you, and it's like a hot blow dryer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm on this Greyhound all the way across the country, and it's a nightmare because when I was in Cleveland, the only fifty dollars I had in my pocket, I ended up buying some crack at the bus station. So I went the rest of the journey without any money and no cigarettes. And just doing my thing uh, to to be able to get my basic needs. And um, as we're getting towards Mesa. Oh, Mesa, too? You went to Mesa? I did. First experience for Arizona here in Mesa. Yeah. And I'm on the US-60 on this Greyhound. um, And I'm looking out the window, man, and I'm tripping. We're coming from AJ to to Mesa. And I'm tripping. I'm looking at all the banana trees. Yeah, I see all the... palm trees you know what i mean and people on the bus are like what is this dude tripping about (laughs) and uh when i got here and i got off the bus i was wearing a black sweatsuit hoodie oh you had Um, the italian starter kit on i did have the italian starter kit on um i was coming off methadone coming off crack i was hungry i was confused i didn't know what was going to happen and i get here and it's 115 degrees man and i'm like oh my god where did they Mm -hmm. send me Mm. Like I thought it was Mars. Yeah. But something did happen when I when I got off the bus, the guy from the halfway house picked me up and he made me some promises. And one of the promises he made me, he said that if I gave myself to this simple program, um, I would have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And it had been forever since anyone had and when I heard it, I heard it this time, I heard some hope. I heard that, hey, I can do this. Because this guy shared with me he was a junkie from New York, and he turned his life around, and now he was living out here prospering. And that's what we do in the rooms, right? And that's what we do in our lives and in our career is we use ourselves, the light that's inside of us, to show other people that it can be done. Because we're connectors. That's what we do, right? We connect people with sobriety. We connect people with right. with services that will help them. All three of us, that's what we do. Right. And, and just go ahead, Justin. First off, shout out, shout out, safe and sound, sober living. If you need to get a sober living <laughs> oh, spot, yeah. man, hit Give up Justin. He is that guy. <laughs> shout out, safe and sound. All right. So, and how you talked about where Jason in the beginning knew nothing about telemarketing and he started to learn and he listened to everybody around him and started to t- take bits and pieces of their words. Everything in recovery is not new. Somebody said or done it before us, and they're laying the groundwork out, right? They do give us that glimmer of hope and show us the way. Sure. Yeah, you know, one thing that I argue with old-timers about where it says the book is meant to be suggestive only, they're suggestions. Dude, they're directions, bro. It tells me exactly what I what I got to do. If I want what the first hundred had who recovered and had amazing lives and the promises and the blessings, I got to do what they did. Mm-hmm. They're directions. Clear-cut instructions, right? That's what it says. I mean, I point that out, and there is a solution at the very end where it says, further on are clear-cut directions. Right. Yeah. You know, they. I, I read this article in the, this book somebody had given me about the big book and Bill Wilson. And uh, on Bill Wilson's deathbed, they asked him if there was one thing. Mm-hmm. This guy was interviewing him, and he said, was there one thing that you would change um, about AA? And he said, yeah, there's something I would change. And what he would change is... The whole rarely have we seen a person fail. He said, I, I have never seen a person fail that has thoroughly followed our path. Mm-hmm. And that's how strongly. Yeah, um, he said he changed one thing, and that one thing is one word. He would change rarely to never. Never, right. Yeah. So, you know, and that's what we do, right? We don't, <clears throat> I look at it like this, guys. 
there's that mountain up there and, and there's a trail that leads there to is the a mountain and a trail mm-hmm. up there right as a matter of fact and if we want to get to the top of that quickly and safely we're going to follow the trail i mean we've got production he's looking over there too yeah. he's like yeah there is a trail there is yeah. a mountain up there yeah we're seeing it yeah. so why in the world would i try to climb up this front of it where there's no trail cliff and there's, and there's snakes and cactuses and all kinds of, of, of danger. Well, that's how I look at addiction. I don't have to make my trail. All I have to do is follow the men and the women who have blazed that trail already and do what they suggest, right? And follow the instructions. Yeah, the Oregon Trail. <laughs> you play that game in school? Yeah, I mean, I used we all to play that game in school? I think we all did. Yeah, we're all hunting. Yeah. I got me a buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hunt in the Oregon Trail. Making hay. Yeah. Mailing hay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Justin's got each coach. I'd always yeah. sink Come it in the river. Justin's brother. always getting sick. You know? <laughs> what, what's that thing? What, what, malaria. Malaria. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're dating ourselves. So you, yeah. So you're you, you know the, the trail's already been blazing. We got to follow it. And during this point in time, when you land and and you know he picks you up and he's from New York, you guys got that instant connection. He gives you that first bit of hope. And I mean, you hit the ground running during this period of time. So what's that time period look like when you get out here, you, you send out, you know, Aunt Lou send you out in the Greyhound, you touch down in Arizona, you're in a sober living home and you get some hope. And what do you do with that hope? So right away, I, I, I was told that at this halfway house, I got to get a sponsor. Um, good idea. Okay. So I got a sponsor mm. and then they said, get a home group. Mm, so I got a home group because my sponsor had a home group. So I did what he yeah. did. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, yeah. And then he told me to get a service commitment and mm. in that home group. So that's what I did. And uh, all of a sudden, before I knew it, you know, I had never had any amount of sober time ever in my life, not even relief. You know, uh, maybe the most was maybe 30 to 60 days um, at the most. And that was usually because I was either in a mental hospital or in a county jail where I couldn't get my hands on something. But... um all of a sudden, before I knew it, I got 30, 60, 90 days, six months. And then I become the assistant halfway house manager. Oh, shout out to the, all the house managers. Yeah, yeah, I reached the absolutely. pinnacle, you know. And then eventually became the manager of that house. And then uh, little by slow, I started sponsoring a bunch of guys. And then um, some wonderful things started to happen. But what, what I did was is when I did my four-step, there were some things I left out. Uh-oh. Right. Some relate. Right. Mm. Some resentments I didn't want to put down there. Yeah, we've been there, Justin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me and you specifically. Been yep. there. Yeah. Relapse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when when they talk about the only thing that matters is honesty and thoroughness, that is so, so important, right? Because I've seen guys and so have you and so have you who have done these magnificent four steps, pages and pages and pages and pages. But and then we see them a short time later go out and then if they're fortunate enough to come back. And every time I ask them what happened and when they give, and if they get back into the process, it's usually because they left something out on their inventory. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wonder why they fell. Mm. They never completed their house cleaning. They took inventory. All right. But hung on to some of the worst items in stock. Mm-hmm. Man, right. Because, because I don't want you to judge me. I don't yeah. want you to look differently at me. Mm-hmm. And the reality of the situation is it's just the opposite because when I do become vulnerable, vulnerable and you become vulnerable, that just draws us closer together and draws people to us or to us to people because, again, we're connectors. So I had left that out, and at two and a half years sober, um, I relapsed. So now here I am. I'm, I'm getting high out here in Arizona, never been loaded before out here, and this is a trip. This is a whole different game out here of – of getting high. Um, and I remember everyone telling me, they, they were telling me about Joe Apio and the tents and pink underwear and green bologna and peanut butter sandwiches. And I thought that stuff was an urban legend. Like, I didn't think, like, the vacancy sign in the tents. I thought all that was just an urban legend. But, no, that, no, that shit was yeah, real. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. I mean, we've ate some slop trays, Justin. Mm, yeah. We didn't eat any together. We were never in county jail together, I'm- but... Right, and, and not only Hold that. on, what, we all got our own technique to eat. Yeah. And what was your technique to eat in the slop trays? Did you have a technique? Did you wash oh, it you out? No, you got to take a soup packet. Oh, the soup yep. packet? That you got to take uh-huh. the seasoning, pour it on there, yeah, you give gotta, it a little you, flavor. Yeah. You got to give it something yeah. or crush up some chips, put it in there. Yeah, if you got a squeeze cheese, you need to do that. You, or you could take it, you know, they put it in the bag and they wash it all the way out so it's just bare bones. Mm-hmm. What was your technique, Ron? So what I would do is I would save the save the bread from the 
from the lab modes, right? Uh-huh. And I would hollow out. Mm-hmm. Oh, you make a you make a, oh, and then yeah. I would make a funnel oh. and fill it with the slop, right? Okay, then, you know, like right. That. It's the like slop a, like a, submarine sandwich. Yeah, like a homemade hot pocket. Oh, yeah. oh, the, you know what I mean? the slop hot pocket. Slop hot pocket. Okay, all right. So you found the tents, and you know, in in well, county jail for that matter, and yeah. you know. It's, you know, Arizona County Jail is one of the worst county jails there is. It's known for that. And um, if you haven't had a chance to experience it, I suggest that you don't because it ain't pretty. And sure. so you find county jail here. What happens from there? County jail, man, you know, and it's just the same story that a lot of us have gone through, you know, in and out of, you know, once I got introduced to getting in trouble out here, um, it wasn't long before I caught my number and went to prison for the first time. And then, you know, it was that, that vicious cycle of in and out of a jail and prison, being homeless and and um, not being able to, to stay sober. But it was probably one of the most mentally exhausting points of my life because I had just experienced two and a half years of being sober and I had an awesome life, right? Even though I was only scratching the surface and I had skimped on that four-step, I was still getting a lot of the promises of the program and I, I remember, you know, what do they say? A belly full of booze and a and a and, and lungs full of smoke from whatever you're getting high, or or a, a, be- a head belly, full of AA yeah. and a belly yeah. full of booze, right? That's what they say will ruin your using, and it did for me, you know, because I would sit there and get high and 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 just think to myself that, well, if there is a God, He doesn't want anything to do with me anymore, and that's just how I felt because going back to that narrative when I was a kid, I felt like I didn't matter. And I truly didn't feel like I mattered now because now I am 3,500 miles from home. I don't have anybody or anything. And uh, it was just so exhausting, exhausting for me, my family. I put them through so much and the people that loved and cared about me. And it wasn't a short time after my second or third prison sentence out here. I had found meth and then it was big. Yeah, Yeah, well, you always say, you know, you know, you have all three of us have the privilege of sharing our message and doing a ton of speaker meetings, you know, and you always say that you were mad at you were real pissed off at, you know, Arizona and actually everyone yeah. in the whole entire nation that they they were hiding meth from you. Yeah, they're hiding whole- meth from me, you know, because <laughs> because I really thought meth was the answer. I really did, because when you smoke crack, all you can do is smoke crack cocaine. When I do meth. There ain't enough stuff for me to do. I can do all your stuff, my stuff. I can. I, I built a time machine. It was almost completed. It's in the bushes in Mesa still. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I invented a bunch of, bunch of things. I figured out how to solve world hunger. You know, there yeah, was a lot that. of stuff I accomplished on meth. Mm-hmm. But what it did for me is it brought me to a deep, dark mental place, right? And I just want to share the, this one part of my story because it's very important. Um, Because it leads to the spiritual experience that I had when I was in prison. You know, and I'm going to give you the edited version. So here I am um, in that dark place mentally that we all know that methamphetamine takes us. Um, I'm on the run. Uh, I only had a couple people in my life. Uh, There was three people, two other guys. And the only reason they were helping me was because they were afraid I was going to tell on them. And you were the other one, Jason. Mm. You were the in and, and, and you had a bunch of stuff going on in your life. Yeah. So during this period of time, you know how we started. The, you know the episode of us meeting in the phone room. Um, you know we went on to create a friendship. We went on to start our own telemarketing. You imagine both of us in a relapse in a telemarketing. Can you imagine that, Justin? Oh man! You seeing me and him. In a telemarketing <laughs> office doing some, some biz ops. Shout out to all the biz oppers out there. And I if hope I would have known you, I would have been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would have been yeah, there. Yeah, you would have been there. And, you know, all the biz oppers out there, you know, hopefully this will hit the tablet and you'll be able to hear this because most all of them are in prison. Yeah. Um, and we have met and we've created this, you know, friendship that still is, you know, we're like, you know, you're like a brother to me, you know, that you know, after everything we've been through. And so, Everything was going so good in our telemarketing company till it went so bad. And, you know, we, we had both caught, we're not co-defendants. Um, we both caught prison sentences, but during this period of time, you know, is what Ron's speaking of where he had caught a case and, you know, why don't you pick it up from there? Yeah, I'd, I'd caught this case and, and, um, I had got released because they scratched the charges for while they were building a, a stronger case, but what it came down to is the undercover officer that was involved wasn't ready to, they weren't ready for him to come out yet. So I was out for another seven or eight months, something like that. 
Um, and then I got reindicted and I went on the run and um, I end up in a hotel room. And at this point in my life, um, I had lost the ability to, um, to think clearly and talk. You know, I used to talk with, a, uh, I created my own language. Yeah, you did. Uh, it was called Tweakinese with an Eastern dialect. Yeah, and so it, Tweakinese. You ever spoke Tweakinese, Justin? No. It kind of sounds like this. Okay. And, but, yeah. but you got to move your shoulders as you're yeah, doing you, it. Oh, you got to do the Patrick Buell. Right, you ever yeah. notice he does that? Shout out New Method Healing Center's <laughs> oh, program yeah. manager, yeah. Patrick Buell. He's doing, he's doing one of these yeah. things all the time. He's always, oh. if anyone ever sees him, yeah. he's going to be mad about this. I owe you an amends. You didn't deserve I mean, to be this. treated this way. But you know what I'm talking about? He does this shoulder yeah. thing. Shoulder yeah, 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 he's doing some weird shit all the time. Oh, Shout man. out, Pat. This reminds me of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but what was crazy is Jason understood it. Like, he, like, it was weird. We got each other. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. so um, here I am in this hotel room and I'm in this deep paranoia. I believe, I believe that, you know, all these different people are coming to get me. Um, I, I, I go out on the balcony at 2.30 in the morning and I fire four shots into the parking lot in Motel 6, 27th Avenue in Indian School. Um, there's nobody out there. I run back in the room in a panic and I decide that I'm going to kill myself. The only way I can explain it is I felt like somebody took their hands and rammed them in my chest and ripped me wide open. And I don't know if anybody can relate to that huge hole, right? Yeah. There had always been a hole there, but this particular time, it, it, was, it was a feeling that I never felt before. So I come up with this plan to kill myself. Um, I end up uh, taking the gun and putting it in my mouth. And when I pull the trigger, nothing happens. I hear this loud clicking sound and this electricity shoots through my body. Um, it freaked me out. It was like a Pulp Fiction moment, you know? I sit up, and I'm crying, and, and, and I'm a mess, and I can't even kill myself, and I rack the gun again, and I put it in my mouth again, and I pull the trigger, and I didn't hear the clicking sound, and I didn't feel the electricity. But what ended up happening is when the guys showed up at the hotel the next morning, and, and, and they seen the place was trashed, and they didn't know what had happened, and I was talking, and they, they couldn't understand what I was saying. When they took the gun apart, the firing pin to the gun was in the bottom of the magazine. When I fired those four shots in the parking lot, the gun had malfunctioned and broke. I didn't know it then, but it was God doing for me what I could not do for myself. Mm. Um, a short time later, I end up in prison for seven years, you know. And when I get there, I just want to share this, this one part about this experience is uh, I get there and I'm a broken man and a man puts his hand out to me. And he invited me to come to a meeting. And I did. I went to that meeting. And these men, three men, took care of me, man. They loved me. They cared about me. They made me feel like I mattered for the for one of the first times in my life. Um, I, had found, I had found something. I didn't know what it was, but I found something. And uh, before long, I became, the, I became the AA guy in the yard. That's what I was doing. And I think at all three points, all three of us were the AA guy in the yard. But you want to know something, Justin, that's different about his story be between both of ours is he found recovery as soon as he got to the yard. Yeah. We took a few years to get there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, we needed a little. Me and you both needed a little bit more pain and misery. Some more research. Yeah, yeah. Add more to your story. Yeah, we needed more research for that resume, right? That we were building that we didn't know we were building, but we were building one. My mom hates hearing that I was building a resume all these years. You didn't know what was going on. I had a plan, yeah. right? <laughs> and she and she look, hates mom. hearing. Yeah, <laughs> look at me. How you like me now? You know, um, <laughs> poor mom. But you know, so that's what happens. You become the AA guy on the yard, and you. You're, you know, you're sponsoring every guy in the yard and you're, you know, you're getting lit, you're writing world services and, you know, you're getting books and you're getting meeting rooms. The same thing that all three of us did at one point in time in this prison sense when we, all three of us found recovery in prison. And, you know, finding recovery in prison, a lot of people think, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're in prison. You, yeah, you live with like 27 drug dealers in prison. Sure. Right. And so you go on this next, you know, journey of, you know, starting meetings and sponsoring the whole damn yard and teaching back to basics, which we've all taught. And, yeah. 
you know, um, you know, putting that hand out that we're responsible for the AA, you know, I'm responsible, you know, prayer and, you know, our mantra or whatever you want to call it, a pledge or whatever it is. And, you know, that's what you did for the next seven years. But there's one particular, you know, guy that you met on the yard and there's one particular moment that kind of ties in everything um, for your for your burning bush spiritual experience moment. So why don't you share, um, you know, take that opportunity briefly to, you know, share that moment. Sure. So at this point, right, I'm about a year sober um, and uh, I'm sponsoring all these guys and, and, and I'm still not 100% sold on the whole God concept, right? But I was willing to believe that there was something. Now, I was able to, I was in the beginning, I believed in something, but I didn't know if he cared about me that much. But what I did know is that my life continued to get better when I served others in prison. Um, this guy, shout out Dean, mm. this guy mm-hmm. came shout up to me. Dean. What's his nickname? Nitro. Nitro. I What's ha- your nickname hey, you Dean, gave him? Dean actually came and helped me one time in the New Freedom parking lot. I locked my keys in the car, and he's like, wait a minute, I'll be right back. I got you. Yeah. yeah shout right. out, Dean. Got my keys out. Oh, Shout out, Big Dummy. Big Dummy. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted you to say it, brother. Yeah, you got to finish my punchlines here, okay. brother. This is how this thing works. Yeah, my Big Dummy. Yeah, okay. Okay. Well, I was trying to be nice. Okay, my bad. Okay, so... Uh, I had invited him to meetings a bunch of times. I knew he was one of the players on the yard, and I knew he was strung out. Um, and I would continuously invite him and be kind because that was God. what God had put on my heart. It didn't matter if you were one of the program guys or not. Um, I had to practice these principles in all of them, my affairs. And when you can do that in prison, um, it can be tricky at times, right? So uh, we tell the story two different ways. He showed up for a meeting. Um, I seen this look on his face, and I thought he was there to mess me up. I thought he was there to smash me, you know what I mean? Because sometimes the, the sober guy isn't the most popular guy on the yard. But that's not what he was there for. He was there to ask me for my help. Um, we shared our first cry together. He put his arms around me and asked me to help him, that he couldn't live that way anymore. And at that moment, I felt so insignificant. I didn't know what I could possibly do for him except take him through the instructions, right? So that's what I did. We got to the third step. We're out on the yard, um, you know, where we made this decision to turn our will in our life over the care of God as we understood him. And we say the prayer together, and the instructions were, when I get done saying the prayer, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to leave you alone with God. Now, a lot of people don't read what comes next after that prayer because they all skip to the fourth step, right? But it said, you know, launching into this vigorous course of action. But there's something that comes before that. And what it says, to paraphrase, if you do this prayer and you mean it with the right person at the right time, in effect, sometimes a very great one is going to be felt at once. And I never understood what that meant because I would always skim over that. That was for other people. That wasn't for me. Say this prayer, I get up. And when I get up, I put my hand on his shoulder and electricity shot through my body. And... um it freaked me out, and automatically it took me back to the hotel room the night I tried to kill myself. And uh, my skin was tingling, and I was walking back to my house, and as I was walking back to my house, I felt like I was floating. And when I got to my house, I sat on the bed, and I was really confused and freaked out, but I felt, I, I, I felt a way I had never felt before. <clears throat> when I sat, I, you know, I, I get choked up when I think about it. When I sat on my bed and I put my feet flat on the floor, that gaping hole closed. And this intuitive thought came in the back of my head. And what it said to me was, what this intuitive thought was, this is exactly why you didn't die that night in the hotel room. You need to be here at this moment to help this man keep doing what you're doing. And, and, and I sat there and I looked at the wall and the next thing that came to my mind was, and this is an original thought, I heard it somewhere along the line, but if I begin to change the way I look at things, the things that I look at change, right? Mm-hmm. What I look at become my thoughts. My thoughts become my words. And my words become my actions. And that's who I am today. I want to be dependable and accountable. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good boyfriend. I want to be a good son. I want to try to be a good father. Um, all this type of stuff I need. And the only way that I, I need to accomplish and the only way I can accomplish it is by getting those things to align up. There's 18 inches between your head and your heart, and mine was disconnected for 40 years. And finally, for the first time in my life, that connection was made. And um, 
my next six years in prison was the most amazing time in my life. Um, I was I was as free as could be. Yeah. Justin, when you look back on that time when, when we all found recovery together, you know, when you attached to that time, of course, we were away from the, you know, the girlfriends, the wives, the kids and the family. And if, aside from all that, you know, man, we had some good times, man. We absolutely did. And uh, one of the things I remember and you talk about it now is I was on that pink cloud. Right. And um, we get to experience that that joy of helping other people. I've never had it. I have purpose in my life now, right? Um, and I, I know for a fact that we go through all these things in our past. I used to have something against God, right? Why would you put me through all these things? Resentments, right? Resentful, man. Um, my past has now became my greatest asset in helping other Amen. people. Everything we've gone through today, the suicide attempts, all these things is to help somebody else that's going through a struggle. I don't care if it's a DCS case that somebody's going through. If you've gone through it, now we have, we're more well-equipped to help somebody get through a DCS case, right? All yeah, I things. mean, and well, you know, but it's only when we do our part that we, you know, are able to do those things, right? And so that's what all three of us choose to do today, you know, because the power of God that flows through us, it's our actions, right? But we channel that power for strength to continue to get up and do it every single day. But we all had that experience, you know, when I found recovery on the art, aside from being away from my wife and my and my daughter at the time, aside from that, man, it was some of the greatest years of my life. Free. The, fr- the friendships that we still have, you know, and all the many guys that we were on, you know, shout out North Unit Fellowship, you know what it is, right? The North Unit All-Stars, you know, from all those men, we still get to do life together because recovery is a team sport and experiencing and, and recovering and going through it with those men is something that I'll, I'll cherish forever. And that's what we all did, you know, and the same thing, right? If same thing for you, man, you, you hit the ground running for, you know, seven years, dude, you were doing the damn deal and you got out and, you know, the crazy thing about it is that same guy who, you know, you had that spiritual experience with he gets out a couple years before you and you know a couple years you know when he gets out a couple years like i said i'll repeat it three times just so everybody heard it right (laughs) Mm -hmm. um he tells you before he leaves that i'm gonna be here to pick you up sure man justin how many times we hear someone say i get out and put some money in your book i'm gonna write you a letter yeah Yeah, you don't hear you don't hear a damn thing right and so ron's like yeah okay cool you know and so when ron gets released from prison that man three years later is asleep in the car in the parking lot waiting to pick you up he picked you up man he picked you up he put you on had a place for you to live he had a job for you to live you start welding you were able to save some money when you were down right and you get out and you and you know you got a place and you get plugged into recovery and your life starts to change and then you have this realization that welding isn't fulfilling you right it isn't your desire path it isn't god's will for you it isn't your purpose man and you decide to make that move and you get into working in behavioral health at a reentry facility what was that time period like for you sure for for me it brought everything full circle i just want to back up for one second because as we've been talking about my story you know the the resentment like you i had against god and not not believing that god wanted anything to do with me my conception of god today is so different um Today, this is what I believe. I believe that my God wears people clothes. My belief is God created each and every one of us. If you believe it or not, that's what I believe. And I believe when he created you, he left his thumbprint on you because we have that inside of us, each and every one of us. And I hear the messages I need to hear through you and you and everybody I interact with. Um, if I stay present, I hear the solutions, not necessarily for my problems, but maybe for somebody else's to be able to share. So when I, when I get out of prison, you know, that's my, that's what I believe. And I knew that I was plugged in right away with CMA, um, and AA. And I knew that that's what I had to be involved in. I, I got a sponsor and I got that home group. Um, but there, there felt like something missing. And I, I, I got into working in behavioral health. And it's been one of the most fulfilling things ever in my life. I never thought in a million years that I'd be doing this for a career. You know, this is, this is what I believe God wants me to be doing. And it's so fulfilling. And none of it would be possible without having that, having that, having men like you blaze the trail for me to be able to let me know that I'm valuable and I'm worth it. And if anybody hears anything that we say today or that I say, 
please know no matter what you're going through or what happened that you get to that place in your life that you matter and you're worth all the effort you're going to put into yourself. I promise you that you have three living, breathing miracles right here. You have a building full of people that are living, breathing miracles that will tell you the same thing. Don't give up on yourself. Yeah. And don't give up, man. And so, you know, you, you embark on this journey in behavioral health and you, you know, you got service commitments and, you know, you know, look at his TikTok, Ronnie, no matter what, I mean, search it out. He's also mm-hmm. the co-host of my personal podcast, aside from, you know, Sanctuary Radio. He's my new co-host on my show. Justin's been on that show as well. And, you know, he's worked in behavioral health and he's built a great reputation of keeping client near number one and keeping boundaries and being ethical and doing all those things. And so, you know, when Sanctuary had the opportunity to bring him over, man, it was an easy decision for us all to make. And I get to work with my brother every day. Can you believe this? You know, I mean, it's a crazy. We went from, you know... <laughs> And Tell look, and look, and, and, we're, and we're still sitting here working together with headsets on, brother. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> right here, yeah, here we are. Hey, and and another beautiful thing is, I don't think any of us have any indictments, right? No, and we, we're, we're good. Oh, and I, we're good. We got our light. I mean, I got my license back, right? I don't have to look yeah. over my shoulder. Yeah, no I mean, indictments, no court dates. Yeah, I mean, we got all that going on right yeah, I like now. That. We do have headsets. Yeah, on. we do have yeah. headsets yeah. on. And so, you know, we can sit here and talk about all three of us, the promises, the blessings, getting the kids back, recreating relationships and getting the cars and getting our own place and, you know, moving out and stepping up from, you know, living, whether it's sober living, getting your own apartment or getting your own townhouse or getting your own house or getting all your kids back like Justin has and winning DCS cases and, you know, advancing through the career path that we've all taken. We've all started from the bottom in this field and we're all working our way up. That used to be our hype jam, started from the bottom now we're here that that? drake song that was our hype jam Mm -hmm. right and just to see how our lives have gotten better and better and better you know we you talked about being on a pink cloud and you know my experience as long as you continue to do what you did to get on that cloud you don't have to come off of it and that's what we've all done and so you know ron is the newest member of the sanctuary team i feel like uh you know jay-z and rockefeller like (laughs) i need to put a chain on your neck right now you know (laughs) right but you're the newest member man and and, you know we couldn't have just be more you know grateful to have you as part of our team he's over here at the iop clinic you know you know and, and it's just a blessing to have you here man you know, but again, you know, our shout out to this show as well today. We got Justin on the show. Thank you for being the co-host today, Thank man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come down to our studio, man, and be on the show. You know, New Method has residentials, right? You know, getting ready to open up New Method 2 and New Method 3, and there's, you know, plenty more availabilities. One house is going to be a female house. So why don't you just briefly, briefly say one thing, uh, you know, quickly here about New Method. Well, new method, uh, like I said, quickly, you get some real recovery if you come to us, right? And, and we're about to have uh, a lot of facilities open up, some women facilities, some 16-bed facilities with a commercial kitchen, have a chef coming on board. Um, and everybody in new method cares, yeah. right? So, so where could they find you at, real quick? Where could they find you at? They can find me at newmethodhealingcenter.com. Um also, you can find me on Facebook, Justin Frakes. Yeah. I, I'm connected with New Method on there. Yeah, so if you want to get in touch with anything they got going on, man, get in touch with Justin. He's the guy, sober living. He I'll does admissions. Boy. I'll have my boy. Holler yeah. at him, right? And as always, man, if you want to get in touch with us here at Sanctuary, come be a part of. You have someone desperately in need of recovery, search us out. Our website, sanctuaryrc.com. Check out the website, man. Get in touch with us. The admission line is on there. Look us up on our social media, Sanctuary Recovery Centers. You can find us on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all the grams, all the medias. Yeah. You could find us sanctuary recovery centers you know please reach out recovery is a team sport man i'm so grateful that you guys are on my team and remember our episodes drop you know every single friday something new a new piece of content will be coming out so continue to be supportive of sanctuary radio we love you we appreciate you so thank you both for being on the show today